creative company is so delicious, and the creative process is one of my favorite subjects. How humans can create something out of nothing is wildly exciting to me. And one of the best ways I love to spend my time is writing and recording my songs. My guest today is Aaron Espy. Great singer-songwriter, author, painter. He's toured the world with his original songs. He's been creating his whole life like me. He's written a book called On Songwriting that just came out in November 23. We're talking about the creative process and we're talking about what it's like to spend your whole life doing what we do right here on Creative Conversations. Hello, hello. Hello, isn't it cool to meet you? Oh my gosh. It's, we go way back to like 2005. I know. It's the craziest thing. And I remember that I was just searching on CD Baby, which used to be that distribution place for mm -hmm. CDs yep. and things. And uh, I just thought, you know, can I find somebody here that actually moves me, that actually <laughs> writes some songs that I like, that can... And I heard that song settling and it just, it like shattered me. Uh... <laughs> it's one of those songs I can listen to anytime any year any day mm. and just cry my eyes out it's like <laughs> so gorgeous and uh, there's only a few songs that do that in your life you know so it's pretty interesting i think you just tap into just real things you know yeah I, uh, i'm i'm grateful for them and that was my first i, I wonder if it was on account of them putting so putting me in on the front page for a little bit because i had just released that album um in october and i was trying to i was trying to solicit reviews i was you know mailing it to everybody i could think of and then cd baby um derek sivers it was uh, it's basically like an automated thing but they basically tell you um we like your album we're gonna serve it to our customers on the front page can you send us no, I think they said send us like twenty CDs or something, but I I did notice a um, an uptick of uh, people listening and reviewing it, and so I I have CD Baby to thank for us yeah. getting together. Yeah, and, thank you, Derek. Well, that was a great yeah. place when he ran it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, and I think it's still going, but it's maybe. Combined yeah, with makers just, or? just for digital now, you know, just yeah. just as a portal to get to Spotify and all those good places. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's a different world. We're not. We're not. Um, I'm not mailing CDs very often. <laughs> That's good in a way. It's good mm -hmm. in a way. Well, it is really cool to meet you, Aaron. So thanks so much for jumping on and doing this thing. Yeah. Likewise. Absolutely. We have both been writing songs our whole lives. We've been playing with that creative process for a long, long time, and you've got a cool book about it, too. When uh, was the first time that you remember experiencing writing a song? How did that happen? The first, let's see. Um, well, my, my sisters would tell you that I made up little rhymes when I was a kid, and I'd just sing them, but I was just being goofy. <laughs> So that that sticks out as um, it, it was. I was probably six years old, and I was just making up a rhyme to 
it was just gibberish to something. But I, I apparently said a dog ran over my shoulder, um, which doesn't make any sense. It's just a six-year-old making up stuff. It happens but to they... me all the time with my dogs, actually, because I'm laying down <laughs> on the floor playing with them. <laughs> uh, and so that was that was whatever it, it stuck um they will still tell you um that's my first song but I, I would say i i was probably 15 or 16 when i first started um you know seriously trying to give it a go and that was just you know me in my bedroom but what did that feel like and and how did you explore or pull that out of you like you talk about so many great starting places in your book what actually mm. happened naturally just because you're a human that you mm. experienced at that young age without having read any books, how to do it. Yeah. I would say I had just, um, so where I'm from, people play ice hockey like eight months out of the year. <laughs> um, it's a town of 2,500 people or so. And I grew up playing hockey and it's like, Texas football, except not as many people, you know, um, <laughs> and I just wanted to play hockey. And then, uh, so I started from about the time I was four or five to, um, and my whole social circle was hockey players, uh, hockey friends in school, hockey friends, uh, outside of school. And then in the ninth grade, I, <clears throat> I didn't know what it was at the time. I just knew something was wrong. Um, probably in seventh grade, they started uh, panic attacks. And I I didn't, I just thought I was sick. Um, there wasn't really, I didn't have any language for it. Um, I just knew that I would often have to excuse myself to the bathroom and and uh, either throw up or, or just like, just calm down. And, um, and they started getting worse, and and part of it had to had to do with um, some of the hockey stuff. And I I remember uh, asking my parents if I could quit hockey in in seventh, I think sixth grade, and then um, I, they ended up eventually saying, okay, you know, if you can you can quit. And that was the ninth grade. My point of the story is my whole social circle went away, like, and my routine of hockey. And I found myself going from school straight home with nothing really to do. And mm. uh, and my grandfather had a guitar that I'd never really seen him use. It just sat in the corner of the room. <laughs> and so I asked my dad if we could go over there and if if I thought my grandpa could teach me some chords. So he, you know, he wrote out G, C, D, E minor. <laughs> I went back. But to your point of where did it come from, I th I think I was just such, at that age, kind of in a raw state. And I was, you know, mm. one, your body's going through a bunch of changes. Two, mm. you just, you're so insecure. But I would I would just be alone in the basement kind of writing songs. And I, I, I think I was starting to learn structure from <laughs> my parents were, were um, I grew up in a in a super evangelical um christian home 
and they, my parents were youth leaders and right around the mid, like the early mid nineties, um, they would get all this music in the mail, um, for, for like Bible studies for the youth group. And I would take all the music and it was just starting to get to like, for, for the longest time, Christian music, which, which was the only music I was allowed to listen to, um, for a while, it was just like Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Sandy Patty. That that was about it. And then all this music started to um, flood in from like <clears throat> Tooth and Nail Records, mm. like uh, um, uh, Jars of Clay would be the probably the most popular one that kind of went on to do success uh, commercially, but. I just started listening to those songs and, and Jars of Clay especially was emotion. Like it, it, it felt emotional. It was the first, you know, some of the first music where I felt, uh, something inside me churning, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think part of it's just intuition. You, you, you just start, um, learning, other people's music first. I don't know if that was your your case. I was first. I was learning songs I liked, and then definitely trans, that was the reason we wanted to get into it. You know, yeah. was to participate in this cool thing. For yeah, sure. So, so that the, you kind of learn whether you you're consciously figuring it out or not. You're you're learning um, how to structure a song more or less from from learning other people's songs. And, uh, yeah, by osmosis, which is a beautiful thing. Uh-huh. You know, it's like you learn how to be in the world by just watching how other people are. And if you have good role models, you tend to become a person who's learning good lessons. Or if you see good lessons in a TV show or a movie. I mean, that's why I think sometimes people are so ragged and uh, unregulated. is because they see too many bad role models in terms mm. of how to even accomplish life, right? Because mm. we're not taught how to control our thoughts and emotions. We're not taught how to co- save money. We're not taught how to stay well. And without those three things, you can be really miserable, you mm. know? Yeah. But uh, getting back to the original thing, I mean, it was like we wanted to play, to participate, to do this thing because it seemed fun. And I can remember just playing and learning songs, like you say, but then for some reason at 10 years old, I just started writing songs Mm. and it literally felt different around me in the room. Mm. It felt like an energy. It felt like a magic place that I had never been in before, like a veil had opened. And I thought, where am I? This is the coolest thing. Mm -hmm. And can this ever happen again? I don't, Mm. you know, I don't know if it'll ever happen again. Yeah. How about Mark Hurd? Did you ever listen to him? No. Uh, is he a Christian artist? You mean from... He was, Mark, yeah. Mark yeah, he was. Heard. Mark with a K, and he was fantastic. One of my friends had come over and said, you got to listen to this guy. He sounds like a Christian James Taylor. And I uh, thought, up until that time, it was hard to find a good message with decent musicianship. <laughs> right. And you could find great musicianship with not so good messages, you know, but this guy, sure. he had it all. He He was awesome. And then... He even produced me for a while, which was lovely. Mm. I um, Phil Phil Keggy was the only, and and 
you know, super guitar just, player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my dad recommended when I started, but it was, it was inspiring, but it was also, it felt too far of a reach, the gap between where I was and where he was. I think he had an album, the wind and the wheat, uh, as far as guitar playing or guitar songwriting playing. or or the message? Guitar playing at that point, because mm. I, I was mainly focused on guitar mm. in, in junior high and writing yeah, was, was a little bit there, but it, it was still, I wasn't going to share anything. I was writing for a long time. Who were some of your favorite uh, guitar players or songwriters? Uh, uh, yeah, James Taylor um, was big. And then wh when I got a little older, the rules in the house changed so my dad um he got one of those like buy get get nine cds for one cent if you buy <laughs> remember those <laughs> deals like from bmg um, <laughs> right. uh, so he picked out all the music he liked in college which was uh <laughs> you know neil young harvest uh seals and crofts um james taylor's uh, greatest hits, the the white one. Mm -hmm. So we would, <laughs> I just remember listening to those and, and feeling like that's that I've, this, this feels good to me. This, this sort of, you can hear the guitar. Um, you can, um, you know, it's, I can maybe with James Taylor, learn a little bit of the finger picking and, and how it's working. But at mm. that point there, you're not like, there's no, internet to look up guitar tabs you're just i'm just like no pressing stop rewind oh yeah yeah one note at a time one beat yeah. at a time so yeah i would say neil young um uh james taylor then later in high school it was uh martin sexton who's from mm -hmm. your area i think yeah yeah um and he he had an album called black sheep and there's a song on the second track is called Glory Bound. And that was kind of the moment I was like, I want to do this forever. If mm. I can figure out how to, how to write a song with just a guitar and figure out how to make it work. So that was, um, I would say those would be huge influences. And then, um, you know, some other ones, Nick, Nick Drake, mm. Way, um, uh, uh Dennison Whitmer, who's more of a, hmm. a folky guy from Philadelphia. Um but yeah, I I um <laughs> I wasn't opposed to other music. It's just I, I tended to concentrate on acoustic driven yeah. the music. Singer songwriter I, person. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I noticed I, I found it I was listening to some of your uh, recent albums uh -huh. and um, I really liked that, like in a lot of singer songwriter situations as well, if, if you're paying attention to the lyrics, which I find I do almost last sometimes, mm. <laughs> even because mm -hmm. uh, I'm just so interested in the groove and the sound of the record and the, the sound of someone's voice that I'm just swept away in the frequencies of this is delightful, or this is cool, or I'd like to use that bass sound, you know, and yeah. then it goes in a little deeper upon more listens and stuff, but you can learn a lot about a person, the songwriter themselves, like where they're at 
with their thoughts or their values. And I was really happy to hear that you were quoting the Roosevelt quote <laughs> and being in the arena and yeah. uh, daring greatly. <laughs> and I was wondering, did you know that from Roosevelt or did you get it from Brene Brown like I did? <laughs> oh, you know, I, it was during a time when I was memorizing poetry. I thought um, I had read something about Alzheimer's and the best way to steer clear is to keep learning new things. I was yeah. like, I'm gonna start if I'm gonna memorize something, I'm might as well be like so I just Googled like best poems and <laughs> that was one of them. Uh so I I was writing that song shortly after I think that that was still fresh in my mind. Um his speech was an actual poem that he had written and then well, no, delivered. It is a speech. It is a speech, but um Okay. It's, and did, it's kind of came up in the whole And did you put his speech to music? Or did you no, paraphrase? No, no, it's just the one. I just paraphrased the one line um, Yeah. Uh, about daring. You know, it's better to be in the ring than to... Uh, than, uh, in the in the song, it's just daring greatly is, is a line from the poem yeah. uh, or the speech. Because um, anybody on the outside can poke fun or throw darts yeah. or have a, a comment, especially anonymously these days, but they're not in the arena. Yeah. Like my dad used to say, consider the source because they're mm -hmm. not a musician. They don't even know what they're saying. They know what they like, but it doesn't matter what mm -hmm. they think of you or your creation or your work. You know, yes. what matters is what you think about it. You know, mm -hmm. that's good. And, and that that center artist muscle, uh, that, you know, that's something we have to shape and protect and mold and, and take care of. On a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. it's, unfortunately, yes. I thought, I thought uh, I'd get it easier, but it turns out you know, it's just maintenance. Yeah, yeah, basic maintenance. Uh, do I feel okay today? Not really. I feel a little, <laughs> a little soft. You know, like, well, that, that, that's what I loved about that Paul Simon lyric, right? You know, uh, why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I so yeah. soft in the yeah. middle now? The rest of that's my great. life is so hard. Yeah. yeah. He wrote that's, some that's really another uh, yeah that was another influence paul simon <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for sure got to see him here in nashville on his farewell um tour. did you how cool it was fun wow wow you know do you often perform live then without a drummer usually yeah that's a much I, easier gig <laughs> uh yes um i found uh, I found it, yeah, it, it became when I was learning music, actually my best friend growing up was a, was a drummer. And so he and I would try to play as much as we could guitar and, and drums together. And when I, <laughs> when I started going acoustic, still kind of figured out a way to make it work. There wasn't a lot of low end. So I, I bought a processor to, um, I learned this from Dave, I went to David Wilcox show and he has this great tone on his lower on his low end and I think he uses two um I think he uses two inputs so he has anyway he's uh, going stereo into a preamp or something yes, probably yeah yeah so I bought this processor that made my it basically just octavizes the I don't know if that's a word uh <laughs> the, <laughs> the um 
the low notes. So it we would play like at church. We'd play. Um, um, we tried it with a bass player, but we, it was a small town. There weren't a lot of musicians, mm. like hardly any. So it was just kind of him and me making music, and it and it worked for a bit. Uh, but then I I just when I was trying to do this as a career when I 2005. Um, it just made more sense to call a coffee shop and see if oh, I could yeah. play in. James Taylor is always saying, be self-contained. You know, like, <laughs> sure. be a singer-songwriter where you could do your thing without the whole band because for a while it's too expensive to travel with the whole band. And yeah, it's much harder for me just for sound. I mean, I like mm -hmm. a whole band and I love mm -hmm. playing with drums and I love being the lead guitar, just mm -hmm. skating over the top, you know. Because when I was on tour for 12 years with a Beatles tribute band, mm. I was one of four. And if I stopped playing, something really dropped out, you know. Yeah. Because we were doing um, the Beatle years from 1963 to 1970, all those songs. Yeah. But then I was in a band for four years touring around to all these theaters that was a five-piece band. And they were doing the solo Beatles tribute. So I had to be sounding like all these other guitar players. And if I stopped playing, that thing was a machine. It just went. And I was just wow. skating over the top. And it's so easy to just turn up your guitar and play. But to sing over all that insane. sound, it's insane. I don't know how professional people do it. I'm always wishing I could go on a sound check or be on stage and say, what are your monitors like? Are they insanely loud? Because right. I'm always having to wear all these muffled things to just keep it normal because talk about a panic attack. <laughs> I, I like short circuit when things are too loud. I can't see all my senses kind of go like a deer in the headlight or something. And it's just too much. It's overwhelming. But yeah. So four years in the, that, the, the soul Beatles, that, that sounds intense. It was intense. Uh, it was a lot to learn and both bands, a ton of stuff to keep under your fingers. Don't you wish you could remember how to play everything you've ever learned? Yeah. <laughs> Impeccably. Yeah. 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 It was just... <laughs> because people don't realize how much work it is to be us, right? <laughs> the whole creative thing and the mind game of being able to step out of the doldrums and the boredom mm -hmm. and the self-doubt to create is one thing. But to uh, build a whole repertoire of your own stuff is something to keep that repertoire under your fingers is a whole other thing because some mm. people are just performers you know mm -hmm. or they're just side people mm -hmm. and and they just play with what whoever they're playing with they're, they don't have to remember all these things that we remember mm -hmm. or produce things note for note or you know these are the kind of things i wonder about you know with other people's art and their mm. their abilities i'm sure you just decide before a tour like maybe which songs you'd like from which albums to perform and work up a set list yeah and i i after moving to nashville <clears throat> uh decided not to tour or try as little as possible to tour and just write um part of that had to do with um <laughs> panic attacks and uh, all this, all some of the stuff stuff we've mentioned with self doubt and fighting my own demons. But uh, when I would, I, I will say I, I did a summer tour this past summer, and I took my family. We have four um, young boys, and we uh, got a camper and did the whole whole works. But I found myself um, 
actually went online to just look at like recent James Taylor concerts where it's just him. Cause mm -hmm. I, I was like, I've forgotten how to do this. How do you, what do you say? Mm -hmm. what do you, how do you start? So I, was, <laughs> I would just go online and watch these concerts from like 2007 wow. where it was just him. And then a, a, occasionally a piano player, <clears throat> but it, you're right. I mean, it's, it's yeah. And if you're uh, uh, mine, I'm pretty lyric driven. So it's remembering mm -hmm. all the lyrics. It's mm -hmm. remembering, uh, the, uh, all the guitar parts. And especially if it's just you, you have to make the guitar sound interesting. Um, you, you know, you're an entertainer. You're, you're asking yeah. people to come watch you for an hour and, and people, uh, people don't really want to do a whole lot. I, I don't want to do a whole lot these days, uh, but if I find myself at a concert, then I'm appreciative of uh, the performer, you know, do, really doing their thing, um, yeah. their craft. So, yeah. but you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and like you wonder sometimes, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, I do. all what, the time. What, what, what part? What parts of it are the, your favorite? The creating. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So and creating could, in the studio, you know, I just. Mm. Yeah, that's that's like you know, chef in the kitchen. I, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's great. Um, if I didn't have to perform the music, if I didn't have to release it, releasing it's fine. But I just I, as soon as the song's done, I'm on to the next next one i mean it's i know i, 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 <laughs> I have no uh no interest in which is why releasing albums is is tough because it's usually your way you, the stuff you're promoting is yeah way off it's the, it's it's like <laughs> actors where they have yeah. to go and do talk shows and they're in the middle of a whole new project but last year or a year and a half ago they're exactly. talking about that movie that's out in the theaters now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my. Do you write in alternate tunings? Um when I was into um Nick Drake, I I would uh, but now I'm nothing other than <clears throat> you know, drop D. Mm. And now now I usually don't even drop D. I just put a capo on um you know, on the second fret and play, play in D. Well, E at that point. E, yeah. E at that point. Yeah. Um, nice. But Do you use that, that? Go ahead. A part of that was the, the performing thing. I didn't want to have people have to watch me retune a guitar. Absolutely. So it's a gigantic can of worms. Yeah. Um, did, have you ever heard of that G7 capo? No. Supposed to be really big in Nashville. One of oh, my is. friends, friends of, Na of a guy in Nashville told him about it and they both pulled it out of their pocket like, this thing is a godsend. <laughs> and I haven't gotten one yet. They're like $60. But G7? it's like, yeah, it's like supposedly, it's got nothing to do with the chord, but it's supposedly like the best capo, capo ever made for any size neck with any radius and will always be in tune wherever you put it. I thought, wow. this I have to check out. But yeah, the alternate tuning thing, I've written in over 
70 different alternate tunings and finding ones myself or just visiting lists of Joni Mitchell tunings. Mm. And it's a beautiful place to go because it's lush, you know, like mm -hmm. Joni used to actually sit outside every once in a while on a mountaintop and tune to the landscape. Hmm. If she heard any resonances or any frequencies somewhere, she would just wow. tune her strings to vibrate and resonate with where she was. And I always had this joke of a theory of every apartment I ever lived in, I was probably tuned to the refrigerator <laughs> or in the key of the washing yeah. machine or yeah. like when I was growing up and writing songs, whatever frequency my mom was vacuuming with, I was probably yeah. writing with wow. that drone in mind. And I have no idea, like if somebody could do a, a biopic docu <laughs> you could That's see so, that and analyze so our lives they could see these trends or these these patterns but i found with the alternate tunings that it's a beautiful thing to let go of the intellectual side of music that i understand mm -hmm. and just play with feelings and emotions and let the guitar guide me so i can put my fingers anywhere is what i learned with alternate tunings because you know all your shapes that you know don't sound good right away mm -hmm. and it's fun to just like, oh, this note wants to go up, and this one wants to stay down, and this one needs to uh, resolve, but this one wants to be a tension. And mm -hmm. you have to be very diligent at that point then to take a video of what you just played, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. all the shapes are different. Yeah. You've got to remember to write down the tuning. Mm -hmm. If you want, you can go a step further with a tuner. Remember the tuning, remember each shape, write down all the notes you're actually playing so that you remember this picture was these notes, and then you can eventually name them. Mm. It's it's ridiculous amount of work. And a <laughs> lot of folks, uh, well, like I was, you were saying with bringing maybe more guitars, I used to bring six or seven guitars to each gig. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd purposely try to write songs in that tuning with another key, with a capo and a different groove, oh, sure. a different tempo, so that I could stay in one tuning for a while and five yeah. or six songs later still be entertaining because they didn't all sound the same. It wasn't <laughs> slack tuning, you know. Right. And then came along the line six guitars. Did you know about those, those uh -huh. Variax guitars? They were incredible. And I think you can still get them, but I'm not sure if they're still making them new. Uh, James Tyler took over some of those as a Luther himself, and they had a built-in brain, like Sony guts. It's got Sony guts in it. And really? <laughs> it literally would just, you program whatever tuning you want. And the thing I liked, disliked about alternate tunings the most was, of course, if you make certain strings louder or soft, uh, 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 not louder, but higher or eventually. lower, they eventually break because the more you tune yeah. and detune a string, you get that little fault in the kink uh -huh. in the steel and that's it the string's gonna yeah. go but with these the strings stay at standard tuning with a line six guitar so huh. the only thing that's changing is the sound coming out of your amp so they made an acoustic one that imitated like 14 <coughs> different acoustics so you could have mm -hmm. a jumbo or a parlor size or a 12 mm -hmm. string or a banjo and you just flip a switch and that sound is coming out of this thing and then they had electric ones where there were 28 different electric guitars that used to come out of those. So you could get a solid body, a semi-acoustic electric, you could mm. get a big jazz box, you could get a sitar, you could get a banjo, you could get various acoustics. And I used to tour with these guitars for those sound-alike bands because uh -huh. there was like 28 guitars in one guitar. Yeah, the, the, it's just, it just makes sense from a practical yeah. standpoint. It was They're just bizarre that. for your brain though, because you'd hear standard tuning here 
and oh, wow. alternate oh, tuning. That, like you'd have to play loud enough to not hear this. Otherwise, you're like, ah. <laughs> that sounds that sounds disorienting, stress, stressful. Uh, they're doing that a lot now with microphones, where you buy one microphone and you have. I don't yeah. know if you've messed around with these mic emulations. Uh, no, I haven't. I, I tend to, well, I, I think you can get them for about a thousand bucks, but I'm, I'm, I'm sticking. I usually just stick with whatever I've got. Yeah. I what said. is one of your favorite vocal mics? Do you have a different one for recording versus live? <laughs> I, I almost always use, I don't know if you can, I turned off my hide self view cause I don't like, but can you, it's the SM7 that I'm using here. Oh, um, cool. it's, and it's going into a, a, a LA 610 um, for preamp. Um, I've stuck with that for a long, long time. Pre pre that, I would just use um, like a audio. I'll turn my audio, so technica. audio technica. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I I and also I still have. When I was a kid, I I took microphones from my church. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I still have some of them. They're like, okay. Oh, um, that, I think they, I've said it enough times that they know I still have these mics. But, they haven't uh, come after you. <laughs> no. Uh, we love him. He can have them. Yeah. He, he's, God he's bless a, you, son. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, um, I, I tend to, I, I like trying to, instead of going out and searching for the sound I want, I, I do kind of enjoy just using what I have to get close or maybe come up with something new or that's or really just, smart. You know, yeah. Uh, well, there's innovation and creativity in any way you look at it. It's just a matter of looking at it so that you win and yeah. not, oh, I suck. And this is why I only do this. You know, it's like, no, yeah. this is your choice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but the SM7 is pretty big for live. So oh, live I don't live I don't use it. I I just use a Beta 58 uh a Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like I like that one too. Um that works. This well. is just I I have a we're in um we're in a a little studio shed in my backyard is where we're at. If I could Give I, us I a tool. You, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, the songwriting pod. Yeah, it's it's there's there's a billion of these in Nashville. Some uh, a house with an inconspicuous backyard shed, and people oh. people co-write. That's a lot of what I I've done over the last ten years is is co-writing. Um, with, nice. <clears throat> You want to talk about that experience a little bit versus writing on your own? Has that been sure. a really cool thing for you or has that been a bit of a, ah. it was, uh, at first it was really odd because <laughs> songwriting was very personal, you know? Um, and I'd only written like, you know, if you couldn't even really call it co-writing, well, not Nashville co-writing, but, um, yeah, that's bouncing a whole other thing. Bouncing ideas. Nashville co-writing, it's it's like a it's the mindset has to be different. And um you tend to I tend to be co-writing for maybe 
four or five reasons. One, I'm <laughs> writing with somebody else and we're just writing a spec song for potential other artists to record. <clears throat> Two, I'm writing with an artist for their record um, for them to hopefully record. Three, I'm working on my own project and I'm, I'm needing help getting through some songs so I'm have somebody over helping. Four would be we're writing for licensing mm. uh, where somebody is I'll I'll be creating a, a track um per per a uh a music supervisor's brief and we are trying to <laughs> maybe a vocalist is top lining um mm -hmm. maybe not um so it's more composing and then um uh, the last one which is probably the best one but I do the least is just you know for the hell of it um just writing writing to co-write just to because it's fun um, yeah but i think i think you you uh you kind of have to figure out um if you're the pilot or the co-pilot mm. you're um in the uh what role you're you're gonna play in the session and it, it's usually established pretty well in the first hour um and it's and it's and it's also uh, well the first if it's somebody complete which sounds like a long time uh, well no first, no it doesn't sound like a long time it just sounds like i was gonna go dirty for a second and just go whoever gets leg over first you're know, like, yeah. just duking it out like i'm controlling this session it's just ridiculous yeah, it is, totally. <laughs> Um, All right, you've got the bigger yeah, ego. Sometimes you go. maybe it feels that way. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, and it's a different process if you're if it's somebody new. Which you, uh, so I spent the first five or six years just every day, like almost somebody somebody new every day. Like so, you get, if you first wow. have to kind of get to know them, hmm. uh, you have to uh, establish trust that's key like you're not gonna if it you're not gonna get very far if you don't um trust each other enough to yeah. open up and and say things you know. or like them yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Or> like, <laughs> so uh, mm -hmm. but if but if you're writing with somebody who's um been co-writing <laughs> a lot they're they're pretty much just like uh, yeah, let's get to it. Let's, you know, let's go. Um, yeah, yeah. But if you're writing with somebody who's new to it, and I was this way too, um, you, you're, you're, you're a little bit, um, you know, gun shy. And, and so you have to, uh, it just takes longer because you're more precious about the material too, especially if you're the artist and you're writing for, which you should be. Um, but artists, if you're co-writing with, with an artist, um you know it it they're the ones who are gonna have to go out and and perform it and mm. you're 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 just in the room for that day so they need to they're, they're definitely the pilot in in those sessions sure. where you're, you're trying to help them say what they're trying to say as best you can you know in, for the song and um but 
when you're writing for yourself, what's your favorite part of songwriting? I like I like the discovery process of, um, you know, uh, I, I mentioned this in the book, but I kind of see it as you're either writing two ways. I find in Nashville, you're either reverse engineering, like almost like a GPS, right. where you know the hook and you're and you're kind of going toward it, or you're just painting. You're like you have a feel. You're in a mood. The, yeah. You know, the the dryer is going the hum or something it's it's <laughs> mysterious you know and then you just kind of go a brush stroke at a time <clears throat> and i i would say i enjoy that most as a process just because it's a bit of an adventure and you, you don't know what's going to happen you're 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 leaning into the mystery of art and your right side brain more than you are mm. And what about technically the lyrics versus the chords versus the melody? Like for me, my favorite part is this phrase or this sentence is suggesting a certain rhythm because of the strong and weak syllables in the language itself, which all of a sudden starts sparking off melody ideas for me. And it's like, mm. if I already have some words, I can put a melody to anything. And that's kind sure. of like my favorite part. It's like that prosody of making something really fit the groove and just have that singability that Sammy Kahn and Stevie Wonder and people used mm -hmm. to talk about, you know? Mm -hmm. I, um, yeah, I, I, for me, it's more, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you're playing off of, uh, when I'm writing by myself, it's usually with a guitar, mm -hmm. sometimes a piano, but I am <coughs> basing a lot of the melody off of, off of the chords I'm playing and voicings. Um, and I would say for lyrics, I, I'm first just filling in vowel sounds, you know, with gibberish. I'm just trying to figure out what yeah, it's supposed to sound like um, versus... Definitely a Paul Simon thing. Yeah. So good. So, uh, I, uh, that, yeah, I, I enjoy that process. Um, What's your least favorite part? Um, my least favorite part is uh, pressing the send button on my computer to whether it's going <laughs> to my publisher <laughs> or uh, whether it's going to whether I've been working on a demo that I need to send to the co-writer and whatever it is, it's the first the first share. I'm not excited mm. at all to yeah, we're well, apprehensive. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just like I. I care too much, and I I know I know that's a um, an Achilles for me, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I just I just uh, you know it's it's like you want you, I feel sometimes like I'm a a little kid and with coloring books, and and at the end of the day I'm bringing them to mom and dad, and you hope like a couple end up on the fridge. <laughs> that's, how, <laughs> that's how it feels. Yeah. So, <laughs> I would say, um, well, the the other part, just more more practically speaking, is it's uh, maybe you find this too. After, and I'm not sure if if you write sequentially or like, I guess it depends on what the song is. But I find after the verse and chorus, the 
<laughs> the the serotonin boost or whatever goes down a bit. <laughs> so I was good. <laughs> it just I was means more work ethic. Yeah. Well, then that's an interesting side because then it's like, what do you do to sustain yourself? You know, it's like, do you need water or coffee or lunch break or mm -hmm. because sometimes if I sit with something, it will come. But sometimes it actually makes more sense to get up and stretch and take a walk. And all of a sudden it comes because I'm moving or doing something else. Mm -hmm. I mean, this wonderful thing about the brain is like, as soon as we tell it, go look for this lyric or go find that next chord, or I really want to finish this song today. The brain's like, yeah, okay, cool. Great idea. It's working behind the scenes. It's a wonderful uh, expectation yeah, and a thing to trust, which I love. And I know it's going to come eventually, but um, being okay with not knowing and not having it yet and having the luxury that I do, that there's never any deadlines, really. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> not having a publisher, not expecting mm. a co-write by Thursday or mm -hmm. having another artist saying, I need that song in the can yesterday. Why don't you have it finished? Like, I just don't have any of that. So it's no pressure. Um, I kind of like the suspense. I like... Mm making the puzzle where I don't know what the box top is. I just have mm. this little piece, but I'm going to turn it into something mm. in the next couple of hours. That's exciting. That's and great. if line is missing, knowing that I'll eventually fill it and it'll be so funny afterwards, like it took you that long to figure out that's what you wanted to say there. You know, <laughs> it's, it's entertaining to me on a few levels. Um, I also had the great uh, experience of working with a high school friend when we were in high school, we were in a creative writing class and she had enough courage to say, would you put one of my poems to music? Oh, wow. And after that, we wrote like 60 songs together. And what a gift to get a, a finished lyric, a potential mm. lyric, a poem or a, a bit of lines, words so often. So yeah. I did learn how to write sort of top down. I would just mm -hmm. say, OK, here's the first couple sentences, this tempo. Do I want to sing mm. this, first of all? object uh, or t topic wise, I don't know if I want to sing about whatever she's writing about, mm -hmm. um, deciding that. So I'll, yeah, I'll try this one. Oh, I'm in this tuning. I was so fascinated by the process that I would set up a tape recorder and just say, okay, I'm in this tuning. And this is Shakespeare's lyric. It's from this date. It's called this. And I'm going to mm -hmm. try to find something. Mm -hmm. And I would literally try to record the process because I loved the creative process so much. And sometimes I'd be like, damn, that intro is catchy. Oh, now this verse sounds really catchy. You better come up with a catchy chorus. But I would always top it, like just get catchier and catchier. And uh, I loved it so much. I got so used to it because it was such a gift to get that half done. Uh, so sometimes I feel like my least favorite thing is trying to figure out what I want to talk about. Because literally, I could have students come in and they're like, I don't know what to say or I can't find a melody. I'm like, open up that magazine, give me a mm. sentence, give me mm. your favorite chord, and I can sing anything mm. and make it sound really cool. Um, so yeah. I have more practice, I think, doing it that way, having a lyric first, but I don't do that for myself. They come out all together, they come out in all different ways, and uh, I guess yes. I just still have a little uh, apprehension about the words on my own sometimes. Like I would be a great Elton John for somebody as a Bernie Taupin. And that's what we used to say we were. She was Bernie and I was uh, Elton. I was I was going to ask you if if you still write with this person you grew up 
writing with? Does she still send you poems or is she still? Once in a while, very, very rarely. But when she stopped back in uh, the late 90s, I was like devastated. I'm like, oh, come on. Mm. This is such a great thing alongside of all the other ones I write myself, you know. Mm. But I still have a ton of old songs that I have not recorded professionally yet or released. And I keep writing more is the problem, you know. (laughs) So then it's like. These will be the next 12 or 10 I release. These will be the next. And then I change my mind and, you know. So you're pro- like, what happens to them? Are they in a Dropbox folder somewhere or, or just on your laptop? or? They're on like cassettes from when I was 15 or 19 or 37. And <laughs> they're on uh, uh, mini discs and they're yeah. on old reel-to-reels. And I have to dig out what I digitally transferred over and listen to it again and go back to my sheets and relearn them and say, okay, it's time to record this one. Like uh, a couple of years ago, I recorded a song of mine called For Another Star, and that was released in 2020, but I wrote it in 1978, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was just lovely to go back and hear that song. It's like, you still like that? You were only 18, what did you know? It's like, I know, but (laughs) I liked it, it came out good. (laughs) Let's record it for real. It's a great thing about music. It's it's this little little life that you create, and it just lives on its own, whether it's heard by anybody or not. But it's it's like it can be taken out at any time. <laughs> exactly. Well, we used to call them bouncing baby songs. Like, oh, look, we have another new life in the world, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if you put enough love and attention and detail into it, it exists and has its own heartbeat and lives on its own, like you're saying, mm-hmm. and to me, the fact that we get to create these, that we have this desire to do it, is the fascinating part. That's the part that gives us life and excitement and reason to get up in the morning and something fun to look forward to throughout the day. You know, if I attach the baggage of this should make me money or why can't this be my career or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why do I have to do this for money instead of that? It's like, I really like looking at it as I've had the pleasure of doing it without any pressure, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's been for me. I write the kind of music I want to hear. I write the kind of cool guitar parts I want to hear, you know, so the arrangements are mine. Sometimes I'm playing all the instruments and being the whole band. I'm mixing it. I like my choices. I like my productions. I like my engineering and my mixing and my mastering. And I like that I've been learning about all those different things. And I just find it fun. It's like doing a painting. Why do I have to have 90 people involved with this one painting? I feel a little like Joni Mitchell that way. It's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm fine. I'm okay over here. Would you like to buy it? I'd love for you to buy it. But now look at this music industry. What have they done to it? (laughs) There's nothing to sell now. Yeah. feel like it was Willie Nelson who said uh, Picasso didn't co-paint. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely an industry, um, and and it is it is mostly full of people who have said um, kind of what you were saying. You didn't have to do. Or, or didn't want to do is to make it uh, put the pressure on yourself to make money from it. Mm. Most people 
year have have put themselves and myself included in that situation where it's like it's a choice i consciously made to um to actually have a little bit of a grieving process for music because i can't listen to it the same way i used i don't love it the same way i used to um and well that's a thought yeah you could change that thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or I, I love it differently, maybe. Yeah. And... Well, we are jaded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking for myself, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I always picture songwriters as like the the uh, English teacher, faculty, lunch, just a bunch of English teachers uh smoking in a and and they're all jaded and they went into the profession wanting to change the world and they're, they're in the thick of it and it's and it sucks but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't all suck um well that has been my wrestle it's mm. like i'm an artist i'm not an educator you know they wanted me to teach there because i had a different perspective you know mm -hmm. i feel like i'm an artist in residence and i i get a stipend because that's my salary and i mm -hmm. get my living quarters which is the house i was able to buy because of it mm -hmm. and uh, and really i just have to keep <laughs> experimenting and learning and growing and creating and then share what i discover share mm -hmm. the process share what i'm learning share all the new instruments i'm learning share the new recording techniques and when i look at it that way i'm very happy you know mm -hmm. and it's it's very exciting um but i don't like when it's grades and paperwork and and sure. nonsense you know like there's red tape and everything yeah. even if i was just performing constantly there would be all the sound checks and all the lousy loud drummers and the you know so there's there's always something there's no specific thing that is 100 percent totally great all the time which is unfortunate and so for me it's like i'm have to constantly <laughs> phrase it so that i don't make it worse you know sure. and some days i'm better at it than others because you know it's our attitude and our words and our thoughts and our actions and all those <laughs> things get tied together and uh Absolutely. you know we tell ourselves a story and then we believe mm. it and then we can't overcome it Right. Mm. So I don't know. Have, have you heard of Eric Maisel? Mm, no. He did one of these uh, podcasts with me and he's written over 50 books for creators, for mm. creative people. And he's a psychotherapist and a psychiatrist and a, and he's against the whole system of how people are treated and just not understood or giving them the tools to think better. Mm. Right rather than just medicate everybody and sure. <laughs> put a label on them and say, well, you're screwed. You belong in a box because you have <laughs> this problem, you know? Sure. So yeah, he's, he's a very cool guy. He's got a that, lot of cool books. I'll check him out. That's definitely a fascinating subject for me, uh, for lots of people, but. Oh yeah. Hmm. Just being yeah. a human being. We need, we need people with skills to teach us how to do the things we need to do. And, most people aren't even thinking on this level. They're basically just surviving each day and kind mm -hmm. of drudgery slugging through the day. You know, we, this is why I love the artists we love so much, uh, because when you see them as powerful, amazing human beings, we want to be that. We want to be that hero. 
And how do you be the hero or the heroine in your own life? How do you step up and become more so that you are and see yourself as a superhero, right? Mm. That takes practice. And, yeah. and yet it's what makes the day better or makes me feel like, you know, everything is so bad that uh, nothing's right. working. <laughs> it's just a story, right? So I'm going to tell myself a better story. That's what I'm practicing. No, that's, that's a great, um, that's a great perspective. And, and even just seeing yourself from a, from a distance as a, as a character in a story is, is helpful. You know, it helps you not to, um, you know, there are definitely victims in the world, but it's easy to have a victim mindset in different situations. But, you know, looking mm. at yourself, as you're saying, from um, it, it helps you make choices and be be more of a <laughs> a creator rather yeah. than a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Create your life the way you create your world or create your music the way you create your world, you know. Well, no, you want to do that reversed. You create better music, right? So create a world that you're... I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the first I heard of that was reading a book when I was in high school uh, about positive thinking. And then uh, there were all the very first preachers I used to listen to because they were talking about uh, how words matter and words mm -hmm. are containers and they make us feel a certain way. And uh, you're creating your life, the I am statement and the mm -hmm. you really are... God within, right? So if we're creators like that, that's what makes the creative process so interesting to me, is that we human beings use that creative process for everything. So the best musicians, the best painters, the best physicians, the best, we're all using our extra senses to say, let's call on infinite intelligence to make things even better and to, to do greater work mm. and be something more. Mm -hmm. you know? So that's exciting. That's really stepping it up. That's what makes me get excited about living. The other yeah. stuff is like pure drudgery. So then it comes <laughs> down to me with, okay, well, what are your basic needs? Like when I woke up this morning, I did not feel that great, but the weather is weird. And sometimes my head starts getting a bit of a migraine. I think I don't feel well. Why don't I feel well? It's like, Oh, take your little Highlands migraine thing, you know, and, mm -hmm. and uh, let's tune ourselves the way we tune a guitar mm -hmm. and let's mm -hmm. step up and, and meet this guy that you've admired and liked all these years. And uh, mm -hmm. let's have some fun. It, there's a decision, you know, Yeah. But really, it would have been easy to just curl back in bed and say, can we cancel? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> showing up is half the battle for exactly for, it's. <laughs> and, and most people don't feel like it when it comes around. Like I'm excited to put something on the calendar. And by the time it comes, I'm like, Oh, I got to do that today. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do it two months ago. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're playing, uh, you're playing chicken with the other person to see who cancels first. Um, the Kevin, well, Kelly, it comes down to whose side are we on? Right. Yeah. The, uh, could you, um, expand? Well, I can get myself coming and going, right? I didn't grow up right, or I wasn't taught right, or I didn't have the best role models or teachers or parents or encouragement or encouragement over the wrong things or like you could hold on to any story. So it's like, why not phrase that story so that you win? I mean, mm. that's the coolest reason to have a publicist, right? Mm. If we all had a really excellent publicist, no matter what we did, no matter what we experienced, no matter what we had, they'd spin it 
so that we win and that we look good. And that's what we have to do in our own lives. So I get these tips like from Mel Robbins and Tony Robbins and Brooke Castillo and uh, this woman, Tanya. And uh, there's so many people, Eric Maisel, and they're just folks that have figured out even Oprah. I mean, there are people that just they Maya Angelou taught her, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things to know. Paul McCartney is Mm -hmm. the greatest with trying to be. Uh, a positive uh, force in the world. Use your power for the good. Don't forget that you are a spiritual being. Don't forget Mm -hmm. that you have access to power. Don't forget to use it. The most frustrating thing is that we're magicians and we forget to use our own magic, you know? Mm. Uh, That's so good. I um, love it. The, the, the publicist thing is, is a, that is a great analogy. Um, mm. I remember I, I, we had a publicist for a, a, it was, I can't even remember what we were doing, but I, I, I was nervous because I'm usually nervous about anything with um, marketing or pub- publicity, but, and my, my biggest thing with, with him at the, time was I doing interviews and stuff and I said well I'm not like I I've always had a hard time talking words don't like I feel like it's when you first start typing on a computer you have to think about the letter and then you don't have to think about the letter anymore you think about the word and retrieving language on the spot for me has been like that so I don't have my language is never fluid but he he said something um he he framed it. He he did a reframe, and he said people don't see you as stupid or that you can't talk. They see you as a uh, person who chooses their words carefully. Which I thought, I mean, yeah, I do try to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's such a great reframe. That co- that comes down to a, a, an article you should read on my friend's website, Kate Chadborn, teaches at Harvard, and she says, "Who are you really?" Hmm. And we're both, right? We're, you know, I'm an introvert and it seems like I'm this extrovert because I like to be on stage and I teach and I do this podcast and it's like, ah, you know, (laughs) but who are you really? You know, you are as much that positive person, that reframe as you are the other one. So which one are you going to keep in the forefront of your mind? Which one are you going to act from? Um, There are examples of like, writing down your history, writing down your story and every disappointing thing and turning all those around Mm. to see that in a better light, just to Mm. empower ourselves because we need, I feel like going through life is like a rocket. You remember when we used to watch the uh, space program and we'd watch the rockets lost, you'd see this launch, you'd see this giant thing get off the ground and they'd be so excited, lift off, we have a lift off. And finally, when it gets out into orbit, different parts start to break off. And I think different parts of us break off as we get older and we need more thrust. We need that extra little burst and it's going to be a different thing. It's not what we got to lift off the ground. It wasn't from what works for me when I was 10 does not work for me when I was 20 or, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff, that kind of thought. And Dana Wilde is another one to listen to. She's fantastic Mm -hmm. because she's talking about making money the fun way, you know, and it's all mindset. 
Yeah. Everything is mindset. And whether we win or lose is mindset. Whether we get the song written or whether we're successful or whether we're just kind of making it and just getting by, I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to mm. be that grumbly person anymore. I could so easily like turn into my mother <laughs> and be professionally disappointed about everything. And, you know, the people I'm around are like, please don't because we will leave you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, that's a great... <laughs> great litmus test of like the people um it's a choice around you yeah i'd rather just be a very happy-go-lucky beetle you know and just <laughs> try to turn on the fun and hang with great people like you and you know just enjoy being us that's yeah. that's the miracle of this time i don't so, want every minute of every day to feel like a bummer god it's all in my <laughs> own head you know the whole freaking thing is in my own head <laughs> Great. I, I got to write down some of the books you you um, listed. <laughs> One that I, I have to do, I've been doing this for about four years now is a like a positivity. It's not a mantra because it's a whole thing, but it's basically about, um, you know, the stuff you're talking about, you know. Um, it's from a book called The Carpenter by John Gordon. He's kind of a... a right. He's written a bunch of self-help um, coaching books, but it just helps me to um, start the day mm. like with with the perspective that I do have a choice. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, that's the part I, we all forget. Yeah, and it's that's the practice. Like everything else, we have to really, literally tune ourselves like we tune our guitar a million times a day. Mm -hmm. I got that uh, analogy from Jim Carrey. Have you heard his graduation mm -hmm. speech? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a fantastic speech. Yeah. It's great. And so, I, yeah. Think, I think the stereotype in our um, profession is more the, the brooding artists, which, uh, you know, that's there for a reason, I suppose. But it's not... It's not doesn't have to be the case. Yeah, <laughs> we've written some happy songs too. Yeah, they weren't all all cathartic songs, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, but I I think mostly it's just remembering to use the magic and practicing and realizing that it's not supposed to be a set it and forget it. It's like I felt great yesterday. Why can't I feel great today? First, you got to take care of all your emotional, physical, and spiritual needs, right? Because if those aren't happening and the sleep and the water are the most mm -hmm. big yeah. ones, the fuel, the food, the real food, because it takes us decades to know what food actually works for us and doesn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, the industry, no matter which industry it is, sometimes would rather have cattle to just tell them where to go and do, and they'd rather you stay depressed and helpless they don't want you to be real strong necessarily, but I would rather be a person that makes my own choices and, and does have that strength and questions everything. Because not everybody is in your body. <laughs> not everybody knows yeah. really what's best for you more than you. Right. And so that's a responsibility too. It's much easier to have a chef and have a publicist and have like, everybody take care of all those things for me. So all I can do is create. That's what I want to do. Can someone cook for me? <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, there's, there's just a lot of responsibility to step up with and, and to, to be an adult. But yeah. I want to be one of those, uh, I want to be Paul. I want to be the, the image I have of Paul in my head of, 
dancing with people, being respectful, mutually uh, appreciating each other's work and, and, and having fun, you know, mm. and when I can't be that, I'd rather be asleep so I don't hurt anybody <laughs> or hurt <laughs> not myself. A, not, a bad, not a bad second option. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> don't know where he is today. <laughs> Sleeping. Uh, that's, so great. That's great. That's, uh, uh, I've enjoyed this. I don't know how, how long uh, you, you want me for. I, I'm good for whatever, so... Um, yeah, we're good. Just, just what what haven't we said? Can you plug your albums and your book for us so we can oh, I can edit out um, the little questions we have here and then Sure. Um I, I guess uh the best place to go to learn more is just my website aaronsb.com. Mm. <laughs> and it's I um I do like a weekly newsletter of Oh, sweet. songwriting thoughts and um I'm I'm right now going through my entire catalog of release songs and just going kind of doing a behind the music series. Um, oh, cool! So just uh, like playing in the background and talking over them. Um, it's not it's not a pod. It's not audio. It's 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 actually just a email newsletter. So it's it's right. mostly written word um, with uh, images, but. Sometimes there's links to listen to, like the work tape of a song, how it began. Um, oh, I love those! Yeah, and uh, just taking, like, like you said, process is so interesting that I think I used to not want to share process because I thought, you know, that I don't know why I had more of a scarcity mindset, probably, and um, but I enjoy process so much that to. Um, share it with others and you know if a kid in high school can learn a thing or two or, or mm. I, somebody in some way then awesome so, yeah uh but anyway just the website is probably step one um and i'm out i'm on the socials too uh but i, cool. I do try and focus my attention more on email and newsletter just more one-on-one -on -one stuff oh nice <laughs> Lucky me, I got to be face to face. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's fascinating about that too is that every student I've ever met since I started teaching at Berkeley in 1984 that writes songs pretty much writes songs the same way I wrote songs when I was 10. Mm. So to me, that tells me without books, without a course, without the rules, without mm. human beings just have this natural ability to explore and create and to love and to be super cool, happy love things like Mike Dooley says, right? Mm. He's another one you should check out. He's mm. really good. To be your super cool, happy love thing self, you've got to do your work. And my theory is artists are miserable because they're not doing their real work, right? When we're doing our work, we're ecstatic. We're happy. We're on cloud nine. You know, I found the right verb, you know, <laughs> <Just like that. laughs> yeah. there are little wins that are just so delicious, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, like I could hear a certain arpeggio happening mm -hmm. in a chord with the right guitar sound with the right guitar and I blended into my recording so well and I'm crying. I'm so mm -hmm. happy. I'm crying. You yeah. know, so that's to me what spins my chakras. So yeah. knowing what spins your chakras is the best and mm -hmm. to be able to find like-minded people that maybe accept 
the language we have to describe it or the way we teach it or love to hang with us because they love our decision to be more of a positive person. Those things just make it work, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's the choice of to be a better person and to 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 carry on. It's 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 not about whether they there's always students that don't like me, you know, or students who do. It's mm-hmm. a teaching style versus a learning style. It's got nothing to do with anything. It's like just finding the right fit, all of us, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it, it, even if it was, you know, trying to be published or to get a record deal or whatever, it's like you're trying to find a match and somebody who has mutual respect for your work that says, you have what we're, we're looking for. Yeah. Because I feel like uh, I wrote this down in a song uh, a long time ago, and I heard it from another preacher. He said, your gift makes room for you. Mm. There's a place for all of us. In your perspective, Aaron Espy, <laughs> your perspective is like no other. And that's what makes it special. And that's what makes mine special. And that's what makes everybody special. So why should we shy away from being more of ourselves? In mm. fact, showing up and being taller and giving more of ourselves helps everybody decide sooner <laughs> yeah. whether we're a good match. <laughs> so they can go on and no, 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 no. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. That's, yeah, it's so great. So uh, fun. I I to your point on the when we're creating, we're in our you know bliss in, <laughs> in our bliss. It's like the reason so many of us get depressed when a project ends is is probably because of that. You know, we're just mm. it's hard. <laughs> it's great to see a project come to fruition. But it's also means you you got to find the next one faster. At yeah. least for me. Definitely. Are you working I, on anything currently? Always. Because <laughs> I feel like if I'm not involved with something, my brain will eat itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I got to give it a task, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I've been putting out an album almost every year the last couple of years sometimes EPs in the same year and some singles too. I kind of go back and forth. Like, do I want to release a single a month? I've been writing a song or two a month. Mm-hmm. I go in and out of doing that and not doing it, you know, cause sometimes I'm in a big mixing crunch or something or working sure. on albums for other people, mm-hmm. recording and mixing for them. But yeah, there's always something I'm writing or wanting to come out from the past to, let that song finally see the light of day. Right. But I know what you mean about releasing something. I mean, it's like giving birth. You're exhausted. There's been thousands of hours and choices mm-hmm. made. That's what most artists find exhausting is every single little thing is another choice to make. Mm. And some of that's exciting. And some of it is just, you need a break, you know? Yeah. It's like going to the grocery <laughs> store for... <laughs> <laughs> ones and zeros one zero one zero yes no yes no yeah 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 <coughs> but yeah the uh which chord which word which verb which title yeah. all that stuff so many choices I, I i've never uh i i grew up and most of my jobs were in construction growing up so it was like a body tired thing sure really never really experienced the like exhaust a brain you know fatigue like like, like this one. yeah <laughs> uh, uh. 
And mm. the fear of the rejection. I mean, that's just yeah. always going to be a natural thing, you know. Mm. Oh, hello. I'm that not puppy? the only one here. Yes. I've got two puppies oh, with me. Yeah. <laughs> I realize puppy. in the video to be doing this all the time looks weird. But <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't notice. So. Yeah, because <laughs> dogs disappear. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe <laughs> a, a stress ball or a stress. What was that? No. <laughs> I have a. I keep a yo-yo. I keep a yo-yo in my desk. And a, a baseball. Oh, cool. And uh, nice. Um, <laughs> well, this has been really awesome and super cool to meet you after all these years. Uh, likewise, uh, I'm so glad you reached out and and you're doing a podcast. It's amazing. Um, yeah, when I'm glad I you mentioned your name, I was like, "Wait, Lauren." Um, like that's from like 2005. Yeah, we've chimed in a few times since then, but yeah, just email. Yeah, but thankful for you and the work you do and and this your uh, the spirit you have. So it's it was a pleasure just to hang out with you for an hour. Thanks okay. so much for doing this, though, and thanks to Heidi for setting it all up. Oh yeah, thank you. All right, we'll talk soon. Take care. Ciao. I'm always amazed at meeting other artists and enjoying their work, whether I get to meet them or not, because it takes such courage to create it and to get it to the marketplace and to stick around and to put up with all the BS. And just like any life, we all have our own challenges. And no matter who we look towards as a hero, that we think they're doing it right, they have the same challenges, and they don't like the rejection either. <laughs> and they find it difficult to find the right verb every once in a while or to put together that melody. And I just want everybody to know that this is a great life to have a creative life. We're supposed to feel things, we're supposed to express things. And we're supposed to keep turning towards the light and finding everything we can that helps us stay strong and do the things we desire to do. So do check out Aaron's music and buy his book on songwriting if you love to write songs. And check out all the people that I mention in these different podcasts because they are great brain trainers and they are positive thinking people and they are people who have done the research and they're doing practicing in specific areas that maybe we haven't yet and they have great tips really the only person you're trying to impress and to reach is you so big love to us all thank you Aaron keep making beautiful things I wish we wouldn't have changed I really can't explain us now we'd be better off if had gone our separate ways If I'm not mistaken I'm settling for second place It's written on my crying face I don't believe I can beg you for another day But that's what I
Que no 